Tori Marie. Charlotte Penn. Happy Tuesday morning. Happy Tuesday. This is a, f- we've never really talked on Tuesday, have no, we? No, this is a surprise Tuesday yes girl moment. Yes, it is. You guys, you know what it is. You know what it is, guys. We, we gave you a little treat a couple weeks ago and we had this interview with, let's just get right to it, Robin Crawford. Mm-hmm. Um, who's been in the press lately. Mm-hmm. And for those who know how media works, sometimes we knew about this book for a while, but there's something called an embargo. So every outlet had to wait their turn. Yep. But guess what? Today is our motherfucking turn. Hello. Okay. We sat down with Robin Crawford to get her to tell her story about her relationship, love, and friendship with our queen, Whitney Houston. Yes. And I got to say, Corey, I can't speak for everyone, but I have been waiting a whole like 10 years for this story. You guys, listen to Charlie in this interview because I love how you broke down your real kinship that you had with Whitney Houston, which I didn't know. And watch mm-hmm. why knowing this now story kind of makes things full circle for you and talking right? with her. So that was really beautiful to be in the room while you were telling Robin right? that. But I'll admit, I mean, I know everybody wants the tea. The tea? Get your cups. Get your cups. Y'all. Hot. Need gloves. Yes. <laughs> And after you listen to our podcast, Woo. run and go buy the book. Because, this book? Woo, a Corey, song you for you? It, could you put it down? I cannot put it down. Sister, I read this book in like eight hours. Yes. Hubby was like, ma'am. I was like, mm-mm. I feel alone. I can share this now. I hadn't read a book this fast since Superhead's book came out. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was, woo. That book, honey? That book. So this is a like a cover to cover. Cover to cover. Tell all. Yes. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. When you say tell all makes me think that it's salacious. And I know that's not what you mean. And I know that you've read the book. But I want to tell people that. Yes, Robin confirms a lot of things. But this is also a story which touched me. And I want to ask you uh, what really touched you about this story. This is about a story of a woman who was her best friend. Someone who really connected with her, and they could not be who they were because of the time period. I know, at the time. it was heartbreaking. Um, but also, she what she went through in her personal life, like her mother, her mother's death, her brother's death, the challenges she went through with, with drug addiction. And dealing with Whitney's family and Damn. inner circle. Having someone you love deeply, a dear friend that you have to protect from everyone else around mm-hmm. her. To be someone's emotional caregiver. Yeah. And up until this point, and I, I know we talked about it a lot in our conversation with her when we we both watched some of those documentaries. But I'll be honest with you, Charlie, coming before learning any of this, I thought Robin was always kind of demonized. She you was. know what I mean? The way that they were like she was she contributed to the downfall. Yeah. Or that she and Bobby fought over Whitney and that she lost and then she left. Yes. That's not what happened. You That's guys. not what happened. Y'all not according to Robin. And I honestly I have to say as a true Whitney stan who's read and consumed and watched everything she's ever done and everything about her. Not only was I waiting for your story, Robin, but I believe you. Yes. You can tell that she loved Whitney mm-hmm. as a friend, as more. And it seemed like it was her first love. Yes. Yeah. Her her realest love. So my article for the new issue, which is on Essence.com today, where we, Corey and I sat down and really talked to Robin, which is what you're about to hear. When you hear her talk about their love, you will know. And honestly, I mean, I can't even imagine feeling a love as instant and as deep as the one that they felt at such a young age. They were camp counselors in East Orange, New Jersey. Okay, Corey, they took this all the way back to when they first met when they were like 19. I know. 
And you want to talk about full circle moment? I could not believe when I read this book that I'm moving into the neighborhood that Whitney Houston grew up in and didn't even know it. Would you look at God? Look at God. Y'all, you know, my, I closed on my house. Hallelujah. Homeowner, homeowner. I am a homeowner. Thank you all for your well wishes. But I am moving to Dodtown, East Orange, New Jersey, which is where Whitney Houston and Robin grew up together. And I didn't know that. I mean, I knew kind of, but I mean, almost to the block. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. But the intimacy that Robin shares with us, the way she speaks about Whitney, what moved you? Really what moved me, um, it, it was less about Whitney, to be quite honest with you. I Two things got me was the access that Robin had to all these other stars. Like, I really could have kept asking her, how was Luther Vandross back in the day? Because I'm a huge Luther Vandross fan. But also just knowing her struggles with drug addiction, um, both for her family, because my family struggled with drug addiction. So I felt a kindred spirit in that. And it was just another layer of like, I didn't know who this woman was. And I had a completely different view of her. But I got to know who Robin Crawford was. Yeah, as a person. Yeah. She, and you know what? You know, just to spill a little, I'm, I spilled a little tea on the counter. We're going to clean it up real quick. A little tea. Um, Robin and Whitney definitely shared some habits that many people didn't know about. She and Bobby's relationship wasn't what you thought it was at all. Like, not even close. You don't have to listen to find out why. And they probably had the most beautiful life together just as roommates and, and best friends that we never knew about. Yeah. And you're going to get all that tea in the book. And, and right now. And right now. Up next, our conversation with Robin Crawford. Enjoy, y'all. Where do we begin? We have been so excited for today's guest. So excited. Ecstatic. And I'm going to put it on the universe. We mm-hmm. have a um, a New York Times bestseller. Yes. Ooh. I'm going to put it out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh. Yeah, look, Robin Crawford is here, y'all. She's already bowing because she knows she receives it. Um, Robin, this I'm is open. the book. I'm going to tell everyone the title. A Song for You, My Life with Whitney Houston. It says mm-hmm. everything. It's the book we've been waiting on. It is. Her fans have been waiting for the person who knew her the best to tell her story. Yeah. And you are giving us, I mean, three over 300 pages of everything. Did you write it? I did. Yes. I did my best. Yeah. I relived it. Mm. The only way I knew that the only way I could get it right was to relive it. Mm-hmm. So I started way back before I met Whitney with my parents. Mm-hmm. And then I just allowed myself to ease into the late 80s and the mm-hmm. 80s and the 90s to the point that now here I am in 2019 and my son, right before I completed the book, he said, I'll be so glad when you're done so you could play with me again. Mm. Have you been like holed up in a room? Detached? I would go into the room. We live in an apartment, Mm -hmm. so there's really no place to go. We do have a lounge downstairs. I tried the library, Mm -hmm. and um, I did that a couple of times in one city, and then I went to another city and sat in a library little private room but most of the time I was in my bedroom with the door closed and the blinds up Mm -hmm. because we live on second floor where I can see the sky clearly so that's that's where I've been and 
I've been there. You had to go back and dig deep. I had to allow myself to be open, mm-hmm. vulnerable, mm-hmm. and yeah, go deep. But I, I, I had a flow to it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel free now that you, now that this book is coming, and you've written it? I feel relieved. Mm-hmm. Um, the freedom part, I believe, will come after it's out there it's mm-hmm. you know it has its wings and it's you know people it's in their hands i think for the most part i just want people to understand you know it took me a while to really sit still and say okay here's what i'm going to do mm-hmm. and Here's the best way for me to express myself freely, openly, and honest. And this is it. And now is the time. Definitely. Definitely. We were thinking, Robin, you had, I mean, everyone was waiting on this story, but for so long you didn't, you didn't say anything, which, you know, you said nothing. And we were wondering when it would happen. Especially after the documentaries that have been out. Exactly. Did you feel like, okay, everyone's spoken, it's my turn, or was it just on your heart to write it now? Um, it definitely wasn't, you know, because of what everyone else was saying. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll say this. When I left Nippy Incorporated, I never saw myself, I never had a vision of speaking publicly mm-hmm. about my life or with Whitney. Um, I had to move on. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to, I don't like move on. I, I had to move forward, I would say. Mm-hmm. And um, I think during that time over the years, everything I heard and sometimes read mm-hmm. was concerning, was troubling, and... I just felt, why is it so negative? Mm-hmm. That was the tone. Mm-hmm. Like here, this woman with this extraordinary legacy, this amazing talent, and all they can talk about is the negative. But it wasn't until Whitney passed mm-hmm. that I was shattered and I felt like, what am I going to say? Yeah. Who am I going to say it to? Mm-hmm. And then Christina mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. At that point, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Right. That I was in my own head, in my own space. Yeah. I had my own family. Mm-hmm. I had two children. They were twins took up a lot of our focus, a lot of our time, but I would hear. I did detach myself from the talking to people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. friends that I had who worked with her. I, I didn't, I had to focus on me. It was really important. That was something that Lisa and I had discussed, you know. Robin, you need to focus on you. But back to Chrissy. At that point, I knew... I had to do something, but mm-hmm. I didn't know what. Mm-hmm. And then 
I talked to Lisa a bunch of times about what I would do. And I asked myself that question, what would Whitney want? Mm -hmm. What would Whitney want? Mm -hmm. So my intent is to raise my friend's legacy, honor our friendship, because that's what she deserves. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel. You know, it's interesting you say that because Absolutely. we were discussing the book and we're like, as much as the, you know, we felt the documentaries were, you know, revealing or, you know, gave us insight. We were like, there was a layer missing of like, well, who were her friends? Because mm -hmm. clearly these were people involved in her life and her day to day. But where was her friends? And you were not on record in that. But now that we get a glimpse of what it was like to see and know Whitney Houston, how she was as a friend. Mm -hmm. So thank you for giving us that that side of her that we didn't get to see. Because to your point, most of the stuff has been negative. Absolutely. Most of the stuff it has been fodder. You know, it's memes and stuff like that. But no, she she's a loving person. Did mm -hmm. you get an opportunity to actually? You know, I I don't. Ex you get a lot of books that come across your desk. Did you get an opportunity to like at least? She's on those pages. Mm -hmm. That was one of yeah. my things. I wanted to make sure that. Whitney's voice was there. Yeah. As a person, Whitney was very private. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she was funny. And she you seemed to be that. full of life too. Yes. She was a she was a homebody. Uh -huh. She loved music and listened to many genres. I mean, and she would crank that music up. She would have Aretha Al Jarreau, Shaka Khan, Rufus, you know, uh, what's my girl, Jennifer Holiday, mm -hmm. Feel My Feel My Soul. Oh, yes. mm -hmm. That album, Whitney, she wouldn't sing the leads. She would just add her little inflections to the backgrounds. She was hilarious. If she didn't want to talk to you, she didn't. Back then it was a Walkman. Oh, yeah. She'd oh, yeah. have that Walkman on. and <laughs> Another place. That's what, that was her. As far as friends, she always told me, I'm not, I don't need any more friends. Mm -hmm. Just I'm you. not looking for friends. This young lady knew where she was going, knew how she was going to get there, had made up her mind that I want you right here on the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. We were young, fearless, and ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what we thought. <laughs> Everyone does in their 20s. But we really were. Mm -hmm. We were young, fearless, and ready. And I was a believer. It was happening. Yeah. Everything she said was happening. She didn't talk like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a hit record and we're going <laughs> to. It was none of that. It was like, I'm a singer. Mm -hmm. I sing. I'm going to get a recording contract. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And stick with me, and I'll take you all around the world. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. I always think we all, as women, we have our best friends, right? They're mm -hmm. our sisters. You want to do that with them. You want to see the world and share everything. Mm -hmm. But so often you don't really get to, I mean, you share along the way, you check in on the phone, but you have to live separate lives. You and Whitney, your life was one. It was intertwined in every way. It had to be the most intense 
friendship and relationship I've read about, you know, between two women in a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. And the way you describe that, your admiration for each other, Mm -hmm. adoration, it was beautiful. That must have felt, what does that feel like to have all of that all the time? You mean then or then? Just, yeah, okay, right. I mean, because for a long time, you two were literally inseparable. You know what? I, it's, I still feel the same way about our friendship now mm-hmm. that I did then. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to write this book and she come through without that presence being there. And I talk to my kids now about friendship. The friendship I had with Whitney You know, it just happened along the way. Mm -hmm. I met this young lady and... Camp counselors? mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Camp counselors in East Orange on Main Street. And it all happened at that first meeting. When I walked in and we met that day, we just... It just clicked. Something Mm -hmm. happened. And... It was just a friendship that developed and it kept growing and growing. And it was deep because we were open, we were bare, we were naked. And when I mean naked, with our feelings, and we didn't think about what we were saying, we just said it. Mm -hmm. And um, I told her about my family, she told me about hers, and we ended up moving into our first apartment together, Mm -hmm. which... You know, if you have someone to venture out to something new, why not do it together? Mm -hmm. And that's how that happened. We were friends. We were tight. We moved into our first place together. And then we moved into our second place together. And then we moved into our third place together. And Whitney was the type of person who did not want to be bothered. I mean, when I say she was quiet and really didn't talk unless she wanted to. Mm-hmm. I, t- I talk about her in the book. Sometimes it was like she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But when the music turned on, you knew she was there. You know, she loved playing spades. She was funny. She would, she would work her cards like this. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't hold them all at once? No, no. No, they were on the table like, in the stack? She was very comical. She watched a lot of television, specifically <laughs> I Love Lucy, mm-hmm. to the point that she had Lucy down, mm-hmm. like the like the mannerisms. And instead of getting angry about things, she'd be funny first. She would just look at you. But she'd play cards this way. <laughs> she drove a car like this. Up on the wheel. I don't. I don't know why. Wait, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know why she up did on the that. Wheel. I you drive, drive up on the wheel. Back? It just feels more secure. <laughs> it's cozy. Really? <laughs> no. I, but I'm not even talking about. You know. You see some people. Look. Look at them. So close to the wheel. <laughs> That's not her. She was like, like a race car driver. The one hand. Is yeah. Swing. The one hand. And that was like. <laughs> I. I used. She used to tickle me. But she could drive fast. Really fast. We'd race. Up and down 287. Oh, yeah. One night, we were, I don't know where we were coming from. We both had 560 SLs. I had a gunmetal gray. And she had black. Mine was Black Pearl. That's what it was called. And we were racing. Mm -hmm. And it made me nervous because she had to be going 95. Uh I mean, really. 
she had to be gone. No one was out there. But yeah, us. it's empty yeah. on 287. And um, this was when we lived in Mendham. Mm-hmm. And um, she took off, and I slowed down because she was, she was just going a little bit too fast. Mm-hmm. And a trooper came out and pulled me over. You? She was gone. <laughs> and I said, so the trooper pulls me over. And back then, honestly, if you're speeding, you know you're speeding. You know you're going to get a ticket. There's nothing you can say about it. So I said to him, why did you stop me? <laughs> and he said, because you were the one I could catch. <laughs> <laughs> he saw Whitney. Because but... you were the one I could catch. Oh, my God. Yeah, she was gone. Did Whitney. she double back for you? She didn't double back. <laughs> she was like, I won. She was home. <laughs> I'll meet you there. She was home. She's like, I'm one. I, I came on in. She was like, don't mess with me. You know, that's that's her. She was, there's a heck of a lot more funny stories. I, I can go on and on and on. And that's one of the things that I want to come through in the book, that though she knew what she was, what she wanted to do, there were, we were young and there were a lot of things we did not know, but we were open to learning it. Mm-hmm. But the more people you have come into your mix, the more confusing things could get and the faster things go. And um, in a lot of ways, that's what made it a little foggy. So I, I You mentioned the, the dumb foggy. 25, you guys would call it back oh, then. Like oh yeah. Everything you, they did before they turned 25 that was maybe not, you know, the best. And right when she was celebrating her birthday and you joked about that, and I thought that was funny because, like, don't we all? That's a really, it's a life when you, a time when you feel fearless and grown, mm-hmm. but you're not. I mean. <laughs> but you feel like it. It was it was a lot of, when I mean experience, it wasn't just the really dumb things we had done. Good which were a lot of them. There was, there was no mistake for us that we knew you know, there's no silver lining beyond this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's foolish. So when you tread and you're walking that edge, you know it. Yeah. And um, but we survived flights that didn't look like they that plane wanted to stay up there. Mm. And this girl would get to praying. I remember there was this woman who was screaming across the aisle from us, screaming because yeah. the plane was. You know, Whitney Love the heat, the humidity. She hated air conditioner. So we were on a flight coming from Miami and the plane was, I mean, it was literally turning to the right, shifting to the left. And this woman was screaming and and Whitney asked me to shut her up. (laughs) She said that wasn't gonna help us. True. And Whitney was back there praying in that seat next to me, like, not like not loud, just Lord Jesus, like hold this plane, bless every tool, bless every bolt, and you know, I don't That's know what the pilot's plan, doing up there, but take that wheel from him. That's how she would be talking. And that baby straightened out and we landed and she didn't mention it again. That's how that's how she was. Moving on to the next thing. Yeah. But yeah, we knew better. We we were glad to see that we had made, we had reached that quarter century. I've got to know, how was the Concord? I know it's no longer available. I, you got to tell me. The like, Concord what? was crazy. I remember 
We get there, you know, it's 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 first class beyond like you never imagined. Is it the whole plane is first class? Or was first yes. class? Those of us who don't live the life, can someone tell me what the, the Concord is? It was $6,000 <laughs> round trip. Yeah. It was a plane that would get you from New York to London. Or Paris. Or Paris in like three, in your book you write three, three hours. Three hours and 20 minutes. Oh, I, wait, I know what you're what talking about. And about. it was like a sonic, it was, it did, it, and they don't it, do that it, anymore. It was, no, it was sonic super boom yes. boom. That's, yes. that's how it was. And um, Whitney had flown to London, the eight hour trip mm -hmm. with her manager at the time, Gene Harvey. I didn't go um, on that first trip. But I went on the second leg, and she told me then, I'm never flying eight hours to, to England again. <laughs> and so I never flew eight hours to England. I only flew to Concord. Mm -hmm. And okay. receipt. That's receipt. a receipt. That's a, there you go, Robin. <laughs> you just dropped it's, one. It, it, oh, there it is. It, it's true. <laughs> I, um, so we, get, we arrive, and we're in the lounge. And we back then, you got metal little aircraft and the whole thing. I'm not even sure they even bless the kids with that anymore. You have to ask. Oh, you do Yeah, ask, you have to and, ask and for them. Is it classic or metal? Little pens. Oh, I've seen the pens, yeah. Oh, I, that's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so we get on there and we're sitting down and we're all snapped in, put our stuff there. Uh, Whitney loved the window, so she got the window. I prefer the aisle seat anyway, so <laughs> it was good. We work like that. She <laughs> got that, I'm here. That's okay. And um, the one thing is that it's so hot. First of all, when you take off, you are glued to the back of yeah. your seat. You're, you're like, it's super duper fast. Wow. And when you arrive, it is like a sauna. Yeah. You want to strip. <laughs> it's a wonder everybody on there is not naked. Oh Bucket, naked, just sitting. It's, it's that hot. And I remember Whitney would always say, why can't they just get off? All you have to do is walk down the aisle and get, get off. off. Yeah. Oh God, and it, take, it takes forever. Mm -hmm. But um, it was awesome. And mm -hmm. I show my, my children old highlights of it and just, you know, how, how awesome their mom's experiences were, for how sure. How hard was it for you to acknowledge that you and her – as beautiful as your friendship were, you know, you guys were in a relationship, mm -hmm. a romantic relationship, and people have been talking about that for years. How hard was that for you to, to write that part, or was it just natural? Set the record straight. I mean, that, w that was part of our friendship. When I met Whitney, it wasn't like it was through a sexual or physical thing. Mm -hmm. It was the bond and the deepness and the connection that we had mm -hmm. and it was beautiful mm -hmm. those moments I, I know I I am very free when I express it in the book yes and that's because that's what that moment mm -hmm. felt like um, Whitney used to always say if you want a friend you have to be one mm. you know if you love me love me unconditionally and that was something else for me to strive for, understanding what the word unconditional meant. And the love that I had for her was really deep. Mm -hmm. And that love she had for me was the same. But just like I say, you know, 
she was a friend. Yeah. She knew how to be one, and that's what held us together. How hard was it when you guys were not friends anymore? Mm-hmm. We I never were not that. friends. Oh, okay. When I resigned from Nippy Incorporated, I never once thought it was like leaving my friend. I always felt like it would come back around. Honestly, I really did. I wanted her to see that I could swim. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of treading water, I'll tell you that much, but I could swim. I could make it. And she knew I could make it. Mm I mean, she did. I've heard her say it. I'm not worried about you. I know you can make it. But at that time, there were so many people around. There was so much going on. I didn't have her ear like I used to. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't feel like I was being effective. Mm -hmm. Contrary to what what has been said, we did speak. We talked after I finally wrote up mm-hmm. uh, two sentences. Your resignation. resignation. Yeah. Two, I didn't know what to write. I was like, should I say this to Whitney? Or I, it was, it was like two sentences on this day, so-and-so, <laughs> like really dodo. Mm-hmm. But um, she called me right after that. She knew. Mm-hmm. And I knew too, but I thought we would I thought we would team back up again. I was always there for her. Yeah, she knew that. There was there was no doubt in my mind that she knew how much I loved and cared cared for her and would do anything for her. But Whitney had a lot of pride, and she didn't like to. She didn't like this. That she, that mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. she did not like that. Don't pat me on my back. You know, she didn't like the pitiful. Mm-hmm. feeling you know she was yeah. a champion she was a lioness fearless. fearless oh that was so i was i'm glad you explained that her logo mm-hmm. was the lion that's mm-hmm. really really beautiful she was truly a lioness mm-hmm. you know she was the provider she'd go out there and you know take down the buffalo <laughs> yeah. you know she'd do it that's she didn't play if She's she said rock. she was going to do something she went in she gave it her all and that's why everything was so great. Mm-hmm. You know, she went in and gave her best. And when you give your best at something, you might be a little bit off your target, but you're going to hit it because mm-hmm. you give your all. That's why Bodyguard turned out the way it did. Mm-hmm. She gave her all, you know? Yeah. Uh, one thing I loved um, just about being her best, but it also goes back to your point about her, lo- her really loving music, mm-hmm. where you uh, were on the set of The Preacher's Wife, and God rest her soul with Penny Marshall, mm-hmm. was like, oh, Whitney, I need you to just lip sync, lip sync mm-hmm. with the Georgia Mass Choir. Mm-hmm. And Whitney was like, okay. Well, at least I envisioned it. Whitney's like, okay, I'll do that. You know, you're the director. Yeah, yeah. And then she whispers to you, you don't lip sync with the Georgia Mass Choir. Mm-mm. In time. <laughs> that Never. doesn't make any kind of sense. Well, w- she had been out in the cold all day yeah. and, and talking. And what Whitney told me is one of the worst things to do to a voice is speaking. Mm-hmm. You can lose mm-hmm. your voice quicker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of lines. Mm-hmm. Again, she's playing a lead role yeah. and she's in every scene, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So Penny was thinking about that, and Whitney had more speaking parts, so she said, just take it easy, because her voice was, it was going. Mm -hmm. You could tell. Mm -mm. <laughs> she ain't doing that. No way. No way. To, and, you know, you, <laughs> yes, that's, that don't make no sense. She leaned over, that doesn't make any kind of sense. Not going to happen. Nothing. You don't lip sync with the Georgia Mass Choir in town. Don't do it. In Newark on on <laughs> Chancellor Avenue. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, that, that's that's how she was. She... Robin, I love the way you describe every detail as if I mean, I know you don't have all these photos, but you remember the shoes y'all were wearing, the jeans, mm -hmm. the weather. Mm -hmm. You have a photographic memory. Did you, you just journal while like, you were doing it? Were you journaling? Like know. how did what you you really painted the picture? Like I was in the car with you guys in in the backseat. You know, going to New York, going wherever. I was there. I felt it. We could visualize it. I did not journal. I was wow. told by my brother that I should. Uh, but um, I didn't. I kept notes of mm -hmm. things. Like I have a bunch of different notebooks where I kept little notes. Okay. I talk about in the book that I met heads of states. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I don't want to date myself, but these are greats. Lola Falana, yeah. you know, Ella Fitzgerald, mm -hmm. Sammy Davis Jr., Richard Pryor, uh, Muhammad Ali, Diane Carroll, wow. mm -hmm. Lena Horne, Nelson Mandela. I mean, you name them. Whitney walked in the door. They embraced her. They mm -hmm. loved her. And she took me with her. Mm -hmm. And I was gracious and and I was honored to be there, to be her right hand. I had no problem. I don't have to be up front. I never envisioned that I'd be sitting here like I witnessed her so many years yeah. over and over and over again in the hot seat. But With the journalist. But she's worth it. And that whole, you know, clearing the mess that's a responsibility that I feel I have. Mm -hmm. I am honored to do it for her. And each one of these steps that have given me an opportunity to share how beautiful it was, how awesome she was, mm -hmm. and how we work together and our friendship has lasted, obviously. You know, people call it a rumor in the track shoes that that rumor has, mm -hmm. but we were there for each other. Yeah. And the shows in the words. Yeah. But then you also, I mean, speaking of the details, you detail the beauty, but you also detail the evolution and the transition. You guys went through some difficult times, you know, difficult scenarios, mm -hmm. you know, and obviously in the end, you know, like you said, you'll always be friends, but Bobby entering the picture, you know, you know, you detail how that was difficult for mm -hmm. all of you. And can you talk a little bit about just, being able to discuss that because while it was beautiful, there were also moments where it was very hard for you emotionally because you had this wonderful friendship, this love of your life, and it evolved without your permission. Hmm. Whitney evolved. Well, when you say she evolved, chose to partner her life with someone. Yeah. Well, her story evolved, I should say. Yeah. Well, I was honored to be the maid of honor for her wedding. Mm -hmm. And I did not know Bobby 
mm-hmm. before the wedding. We never really got a chance to know each other. Okay. And when they became a couple, I still really didn't get to spend any quality time with, with both of them. Mm-hmm. But what I will say about Bobby is she told me she loved him. Mm-hmm. And his behavior and the way I saw him treat her let's just say this about Bobby. Bobby's behaviors played out in the press. And he and I were not squaring off in Everlast shorts and boxing gloves. That never happened. Got it. I was still in the same spot that Whitney always wanted me to be. Bobby never approached me personally and said anything to me about the rumors of our relationship, Mm -hmm. not Not once, once. not once. But I watched him make a mess of her trail, you know? A lot of, you know, he, he had a way, Bobby was funny, he had a way of shifting the attention to him anywhere, any place, at any time. That was Bobby's talent. That I can see that. I can totally see that. I can totally see that. That was his energy. You just energy. never knew. You know, I mean, we could go to the White House. Mm-hmm. Spouses over here on the right. <laughs> you know, the husband's here and, and, and the wives over there. Now, Bobby. No. He's sitting over here. Yeah. And that, that, was, that, was, that was just him. It's mm-hmm. like on the wedding day. The groom does not come down to where the bride is. Bobby coming. <laughs> that's that's that. No rules. No. Mm-mm. But um, there was no, I wasn't competing for mm-hmm. anything. I had her friendship. Mm-hmm. I was her friend. And he could have been a better friend too. And this book, Ooh, I mean, I got chills. You need to be a friend before. Absolutely. Relationships yeah. start yeah. with friendship. Mm-hmm. That's mm. the core. That's the foundation. I yeah. think so. Mm-hmm. I know you know what, so. Robert, I want to ask you, because I didn't realize when you guys were at, um, well, Whitney was going to perform at Carnegie Hall and Reverend Al Sharpton mm-hmm. was boycotting mm-hmm. her. And I'm just thinking how you guys dealt with that and kept moving forward. And I would say for my record, growing up in PG County, Maryland, everybody loved Whitney Houston. Yes. I never was around anybody that was like, oh, she's not this enough or she's not this enough. So, I'm, but when reading this, I was like, "Oh wow, they we didn't really, know. yeah, they really came for her." You know, we I've often know heard about the, you know, the awards and the booing, but this, I was like, picketing. Yep. How did you guys get through it? I must have hurt her deeply. Well, she didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was, you know, her gift was opening doors for her, mm-hmm. and um, I, I remember her saying, "You know." I don't recall Michael or mm-hmm. Prince having to deal with this. Yeah. He did not. I, I didn't either. But um, I don't know what it was. Whitney was a target for everything, it felt mm-hmm. like. I mean, it really did. I understood how she felt because it just, she, I would, I bet if we went back and checked how many award shows the top African-American artists, how many black award shows, 
the top African-American artist showed up for, Whitney would be at the top of the list. Yeah. And I'm talking, you know, who was, I mean, I can no, go I through the Chris list Brown, of all yeah. the superstars mm -hmm. back then. Whitney supported Don Cornelius, mm -hmm. big time. You know, she supported the Image Award. Mm -hmm. She was there. I used to say, chick, you got to take a break. Yeah. Can <laughs> Michael don't show up all the time? <laughs> you know, but. She honored her commitment. She mm -hmm. would, yeah, she did. And that's why she would get angry sometimes and say, check my record. With that voice, the way, the schedule, I like to say we because I was part of the team, even though I was one of the voices who could quickly tell she was tired. But if Whitney said she was going to do it, I had to get on board and roll with it. I can't, like, suck my teeth. I got a role to play. Yeah. And, um, but she was tired. Yeah. She was, t Whitney was tired in the 90s. She was already doing so much. She was taking care of everyone too. When I read the chapter in this book where you kind of detail, you know, the bookkeeper tea, we'll call it, all the financial responsibilities she had, that she was working to support every damn body. Mm -hmm. I mean, really. And the fact that she had to work to do that, I can't imagine that pressure. You know what I mean? On your, you, you taking care of everyone. As black women, we do that too much, but for Whitney, it was like exponential. She she worked too hard. But, you, you know, one of the most difficult things when you're a business person is to cut people off, mm -hmm. to let people go. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe Whitney was so busy. I know because I was there. I used to have six suitcases. I didn't have time to unpack one. I, sometimes I'd just buy a suitcase, and when we got where we were going, I'd just buy stuff. Oh, my God. To, because I didn't have time to unpack it. So, you know, Whitney had the luxury of having someone unpack and pack her clothing. Mm -hmm. So she really never was able to really keep track of what was going on. Mm -hmm. You know, she was fighting for sleep and getting up and concerned about being ready, being mm -hmm. on. That was her job, to be on yeah. and deliver. Mm -hmm. But when you're touring the world because you have to, it's a big difference. Yeah. Touring the world because you have to. And then there's a movie that you, you're doing yeah. right on the heels of that. And it's a lead role, something that she always said she did not want. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. she did not want. She always wanted ensemble roles, small parts. These are her words. Mm -hmm. If you look through the tape, she would drop little pieces. Yeah. And I never ignored those things mm -hmm. when that's what she never wanted to be an actor. She wanted to, she was a singer. That yeah. was her thing. Mm -hmm. The greatest. So, you know, she was just mm -hmm. going mm -hmm. and going and going and going. We never, she never got a chance to run her race. Maybe in the beginning she did. But, you know, that horse, I don't know, Secretariat, yeah. you had to let that horse run its race. Mm -hmm. That horse way in the back. <laughs> Everybody's like, okay, that horse in the back. That horse knew when exactly it was going to do what it was going to do. Yeah. 
And that's how Whitney was. I believed in her that way. Mm -hmm. I knew if she said, here's what we're going to do, here's how it's going to happen. You do this, and if you need me, use me. That's what she would say. If you need me, use me. That means handle your business, do what you know you need to do, Mm -hmm. and if you need me, boom. And that's that's how we worked, you know. Mm-hmm. We truly communicated without talking. I could look at her and tell, I got about 50 seconds to yep. get this stuff together and <laughs> head to the door. I already knew. I mean, that's, that's part of the game. That's what she needed. I want to talk about what you also knew was that you saw the Neptunes oh, yeah. early on. Mm-hmm. You were chilling with Pharrell. He picked you up. Yes, he did. Down in Virginia Beach? Down in Virginia Beach. I don't remember the kind of car he was driving. See, I don't remember that. But I remember what he was playing. (laughs) And he would, too. You had that ear. You had that ear. I couldn't believe this young brother was rolling up a banging Joni Mitchell. (laughs) I mean, you know, he's picking up, you know, Whitney Houston's, you know, executive that works with it. It's a whole opportunity there. And... um, our artist at the time, Shanna, and he rolled up and that was blaring out of his car. Mm-hmm. No, nope, not his music. He he had it. But yeah, he's he was a young, beautiful brother who definitely knew what he wanted, what he was looking for, and what he didn't. Yeah. Do you still have an ear for music? I have a feeling you do, though. <laughs> Me too. I. You know, you're like, I dabble. She blessed a little. Yeah, we see you, right? <laughs> we still, know you got a whole other new life. A trainer. But, you know. Everything. You're busy, but. No, I mean, I'm always, quite, you never miss the rare things, you know. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're simple. You know, they're, they're right there. You just have to be looking mm-hmm. and feel it, the energy. If the energy is not right, I don't care what it look like. It, That's true. Um, it's so good to see. I'm we're so glad you're happy. Yeah, we're so happy for you, and, and we're happy, happy for you and Lisa. Congratulations, mm-hmm. y'all are just <laughs> my whole savior. happy family. And no. I can't believe you met her years ago. Yeah, yeah, we got that info too in the book. Yes, you did. I I met Lisa during Bodyguard. She mm-hmm. was signed the account by. Um, Lois Smith, who is a a legend, rest in peace. I I love Lois. Mm -hmm. Had it not been for Lois, I wouldn't have ever met Lisa. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I was trying to, when I realized that I needed to figure out who I was again, I went back to Lisa because she remembered me back when. And that was a part of my life that I was pushing away from me mm-hmm. somewhat. And here you are now. Here you are now, glowing. Yeah, it's I like is. you've lived your little lives. bitty scarf on. Well, Robin, let me say, as a Supreme, and Corey's going to laugh when I say this, but I'm a Supreme Whitney fan. But what I mean by that is I feel, I always felt like she was my friend in my head because my mom loved Whitney, would always play her music when I was little. And then my mom died when I was nine. Mm-hmm. And I think I felt connected to her through Whitney's music. So as I grew and Whitney kept dropping albums and I had all of them from the cassettes then to the CDs and I would always buy one to keep pristine and then buy one to listen to and wear out because that's what we do. And, you know, I just felt connected. And then 
when we lost her, I I mean, I cried like, you know, like family, like everyone else, and I was devastated. And then we heard so many, like you said, so many things that weren't positive, and I just wanted to feel connected again. And I do, after reading this book. Well, I got to know, you know, I feel like I'm tapped back in mm-hmm. to the gift she gave out and that joy that she exuded. I'm sure it's Jersey Girl thing. It's my mom. You know, it's all, it all makes sense to me. But thank you for that. As a oh. true Whitney fan, I think you have done that with this book. And I just felt warm all over reading it. And I'm probably going to read it again and again. But I think you gave her fans the gift she would have wanted to give them. I think she'd I, be proud of you. I hope I hope I have. Um when you asked me before, do I feel free? Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that I set us both free in, in this whole big scheme of things. Yeah. I hope that I make it very clear that this was a woman who knew what she wanted to do and the reason why that there is so much greatness that she achieved is because she gave it her all and she really loved, she genuinely loved what she did for a living. And that's what I take with me. A woman of her word, she was no joke. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Marvin, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Yes, girl. Okay. Oh, you so saved it. I was at the Tyler Perry okay. Studio Gala opening, and at the after party, Mon- he made Monica, he literally made Monica come up and sing from the audience. And he was like, you know Whitney Houston. She goes, yes, I knew her. She goes, what I have to tell y'all, Whitney said to me, if you're going to sing my songs, I need you to sing the shit out of them. (laughs) Does that sound about accurate, Robin? Uh, If if Monica says she said it to her, (laughs) she did. And she started singing one of Whitney's songs. So she said that, you know, that she was really close to her. You were sharing before, uh, Monica really saw her more than a mentor, but how to coming to that business um and then she's what i thought was extra cute her mother was in the audience monica's mother and she said my mother's here and she said i have to go back to my roots and she started singing i hasten to thee mm. oh. oh my i know it was i got you that is i love the lord i love yeah, yeah that's yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. don't stop robin <laughs> the lord yes. <laughs> He heard my cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, yes, Monica. Monica, Monica ain't no jokey. No, she not. And actually, at Whitney's funeral, mm-hmm. they had the celebrities on one side of the church mm-hmm. and friends and family on the other side. And Monica got up. I didn't see her get up, but she got up and came over to where I was sitting, and she gave me a tissue. Mm. That girl. Sweetheart, yeah. old soul, oh, beautiful. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and Monica handled her business. Yeah. And um, Whitney loved her. Mm-hmm. And I loved you too, Monica. I want you to know <laughs> that tissue, I talk about it. Oh, and wow. I love you for that, thank you. Oh, Robin, thank yay, you so thank much you. for thank opening you. up and sharing with us this thank book. You. This is going to be a beautiful. I'm uh-huh. telling you, bestseller. What was he like? Just tell me, just Luther. Luther was, Luther Vandross was like a big brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitney admired him, looked up to him, and he actually showed her how to be an opening act. And I'm not just talking on stage, although she did take some pieces 
from him, Fabrice. I remember Whitney had jackets. She loved jackets. Yes. Blazers. She yeah. She, I mean, so when you saw her on stage in those earlier years with those shimmery jackets, she got it from Luther. But um, we used to go to Luther's, visit Luther in Los Angeles when he lived on Laurel Canyon. And I remember we went to his house and he said he paid $6 million for it. And Whitney was like, but Luther, you have no yard. And he was (laughs) like, you don't get a yard in California. And he was, she was like, I'm going to get me a yard. I'm not paying $6 million and not going to get a yard. And so they they had this little fun thing going. But when I think about Luther, I think about all the music that he recorded that has Whitney's mother's vocal on it. I want to go back and listen to these songs. Now that you mentioned it now. That's why I did that. But Sissy, Mm. on commercial music, from Aretha, I'm Mm -hmm. talking about... All those Arista records that Aretha has, I mean, Sissy's all over those albums. And that's where the magic is. That's what you showed us here. You make triple scale, singing background. That's what they should have been asking, Sissy. How you do that? Luther knew better. He used to sit waiting for her to show up. He sat on the steps before he became Luther to the world. He used to sit on the studio steps waiting. Wow. For Sissy. For Sissy. For the sweets. Mm. Waiting. Like he, those people who were students. Mm-hmm. And I mean, once you pick up her voice. And hear that. No voice like hers. And like you and Whitney said in the book, it's the part you love. When you hear that part Mm -hmm. and you realize. Better love. I didn't know that. I did not know. know. That's That's her. her. And now that you can't unknow it now. No. That top. like I need a whole playlist. A note that nobody would think to sing. Mrs. Houston. Because that's what Whitney called my mother. We grew up with the Mrs. Oh, yeah. Ms. Crawford, mm-hmm. you know, I, I never called her sissy. No. Mm-hmm. no. I don't think she would have flipped if I did, but it just didn't feel no, right. No, you just don't. That was they my probably best wouldn't. friend's mother. Do y'all, um, I remember one of my friends calling my mother Katrina, and my mother just didn't answer her. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma was like that. And, and then she mom. kept saying it, and I was like, just oh. call her Miss Murray. Like, please don't do this. <laughs> I was like, well, how dare you call my mother her name? My dad once said to G, my husband, he was like, it's Mr. Penn until she likes you enough for me to like you. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) He was clear, though. Like, don't do this. I'm not Charles to you. Or Charlie or Chuck. Mr. Penn. Don't. Get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh, I could talk to y'all. I know. You Be sure to listen, download, or subscribe to more episodes of Yes Yes Girl, featuring interviews with Jada Pinkett Smith, Amanda Seals, Ayala Van Zandt, and Michael P. Jordan. You can find Yes Girl on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple listeners, yes, that's you. Be sure to leave a review and let us know what you think. We love reviews. Give us reviews. More, more reviews. Thank you. Don't forget to talk to us on social. At Corey Murray. At Charlie Penn on Instagram and at Man Wife Dog on Twitter. 
be sure to use hashtag YesGirlPodcast. Love ya. Talk to you soon.